Llegaron los Propane Days a Lowe's. Desde ahora hasta el 16 de junio, los miembros MVPs de Lowe's reciben un 20% de reembolso en pintura con una tarjeta de regalo electrónica de Lowe's por compras de pinturas elegibles de 100 dólares o más. Lleva la nueva y exclusiva pintura HGTV Home de Sherwin-Williams Specride para interiores. Lowe's sabe de pros. Aplican exclusiones, restricciones y más términos. Visita Lowe's.com diagonal L diagonal Pro Loyalty Terms. Sujeto a cambios. Chip Tam and football, that's what Pittsburgh does. Oh, wait, this is uh, the new show. Sorry, no fancy interview the way that Chris Carter always does it. But obviously, you've got your old uh, North Shore Drive podcast duo here with you on this Friday morning. I'm Brian Batco, Ray Fittipaldo joining me, uh, my beat partner on the Steelers at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. And as you might have guessed, we are going to talk all Steelers, all NFL, all Super Bowl today. Ray, what's going on, man? Not too much, Brian. How are you enjoying the offseason so far? It's uh, it's all right. Uh, it's been you know a little bit a uh, little bit sleepy here these last couple weeks after the Steelers obviously didn't make many moves, made our lives easier, didn't exactly make the fans happy. But uh, you know it's it's getting into full swing as you know. We'll have free agency stuff ramping up over the next few weeks. Draft offseason, or I should say, draft season is already in full swing. You were down in Mobile, and then you'll be going out to Indy. For the combine, so uh, yeah, it should should be fun. And uh, one of the main pillars of any Steelers offseason calendar at the Post Gazette is Ray Fittipaldo's first mock draft. So we're going to talk a lot about that today, especially in this first segment. Are you ready to do it, Ray? Are you ready to defend your picks? I I should pull up the angry comments from readers and uh, and have you defend those right here on the show. I know there are like close to a hundred comments on that story. I think half of them, Brian, were. Um... Who is this guy? He's going to go in the second round. Who, you right. or your picks? <laughs> yeah, probably both, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, but that that's, that always makes for good good discussion, of course. Um, you know, we'll we'll talk about your first pick at length because you always got to get that first rounder correct. And we know that this year in particular, the Steelers are picking 17th overall, higher than usual. Um, you know, yes, they got Devin Bush 10th overall in 2019, but they had to trade up to do that. So um, this is this is big for them. And, you know, they've got a lot of needs even once filled on offense these last couple years, which is why I assume you went on the defensive side of the ball with a guy who, as you put it, already looks like a stealer, not because of his physique or anything like that, but simply the jersey he wears in college from the Iowa Hawkeyes. We'll call him defensive lineman slash edge rusher. More on that later. Lucas Van Ness. Ray, uh, go ahead and give me the, I guess, quick skinny on, like, I know when you do this, you're listening to people that you trust in the scouting community. You're watching film yourself. You were down in, at the Senior Bowl, like I said. This guy wasn't there, unless I'm mistaken. So, um, so what made Lucas Van Ness jump off either – the YouTube to you or um, from what you've read, what, what made him stand out for you to make him your first rounder for the Steelers? He looks like a Steelers typical defensive end five technique, Brian. Um, if you watch Iowa games um, and I always try to watch them against the best competition. So. Some people consider it a, a, a war crime to make people watch Iowa football in 2022, but if that's you're their a defense, offense, right? That's Steelers. their yeah. offense, right? Yeah. Their defense actually, um, uh, wasn't halfway bad. They got Jack Campbell. They got some other guys who were, who were going to get drafted too. Um, 
He's got a great bull rush, Brian. Uh, he is strong, even though he's only a redshirt sophomore and doesn't turn 22 until the summer. This guy is really, really strong. I think he could step into an NFL off, excuse me, defense right now and contribute right away. Now he's only listed at 275, so I think you know we we had the Marvin Leal come in last year and everyone was wondering, okay, he's kind of skinny. Where's he going to go? So you know. Lucas Van Ness could be that type of a uh, a guy who plays up and down the line, or he could be a guy who just adds 15 pounds and he's your prototypical Cam Hayward, Aaron Smith uh, type of defensive end. So, um, you know, that is to be determined. You know, I, I think he would have to learn how to be a more consistent pass rusher. You're not going to be able to bull rush everyone um, in the NFL. He's going to have to get more diverse. Obviously, when you're that young and, and you – um, only played in college for two seasons. You're going to have to become a more seasoned run defender too. But just looking at his potential, and when you draft a guy in the first round, you know I think a lot of times, Brian, you're trying to project what that guy's going to be two, three, five years down the road. Lucas Van Ness probably has as much upside as anyone in this draft. What about the argument that, for as much as it's nice to have that potential? The Steelers need a guy right now to help at that spot. And, you know, can Van Ness, can he shed that label of being kind of a tweener? I mean, that's one of the funny things, I guess, about draft chatter every year. If you like a player, you call him a hybrid, versatile guy. If you don't like a player, you call him a tweener and you worry about his long-term fit in the NFL. Did you have any concerns about, okay, what is his best role? Is he going to stand up on the edge and be – the number three outside linebacker for a while? Is he going to be able to, say, play next to Cam Hayward with his hand in the dirt in the nickel package? What are your kind of general thoughts on uh, what Van Ness can do? Can, like, I guess my point, Ray, is whoever you use this first-round pick on better be somebody who's going to help you on the field and be part of your best 11 more often than not in 2023. I, I, I think he can be that, Brian, but I don't know that he has to be. So – I envision him as a as a five technique. I, I think that would uh, be his best position. And you said, um, uh, come in and you know be a starter right away. Well, Cam Hayward's back. Um, we'll see what happens with Larry Ogunjobi. But if if Larry Ogunjobi is re-signed, let's say on another one year deal, there's no reason that Lucas Van Ness can't play 25, 30, 35 snaps a game and sort of learn. Uh, the NFL the way Cam Hayward did. I, I think there's value in that. And I understand the way the NFL is set up now. Um, you know, when, when you're picking in the first and second round, you do want to get guys who start right away or at the very least contribute right away. And I get that. And I, I don't think there's there, there's no reason that Lucas Finesse can't do that. But I don't necessarily see a scenario where he has to play 85, 90% of the snaps either. Sometimes that's just not good for the development of a young guy, especially a guy who's coming out after his red uh, redshirt sophomore year. So do you, do I understand you what you're saying. Do you, do you feel like he's too similar of a player to DeMarvin Leal? Do you think the Steelers would no. be overlapping a little bit here if they make this move after getting Leal in the third round last year? No, I don't think so. I, I think Leal is like a chess piece. You actually can play him at edge rusher. He could be an outside linebacker in that defense. He could play three technique. He could play five technique. Um, you move him around and you um, try to figure out each week where where he would fit best. Um, 
VNS is, I think he's going to test really well at the combine too. So I'm not saying that that elite athleticism is not there. It very yeah. well could be there, but just watching him bull rush people, he's that big, strong defensive lineman, especially if he adds 15, 20 pounds, gets up to 290 or so. And that's not going to happen over one spring or summer, Brian. I mean, that's going to happen over time. But if he does that, I see him more in the mold of like a, an Aaron Smith or a Cam Hayward down the road. That makes sense. Um, you know, the Steelers really haven't replaced Stephon to it necessarily. Um, Larry Ogunjobi's kind of done that. Like you said, DeMarvin Leal is somebody who you can put him on the field in a lot of different packages probably and, and get something out of him. So before we move on to the rest of your mock, stick last topic that I wanted to touch on with this first round for you. Who else did you consider? Ray, can you pull back the curtain a little bit for those who are diving deeper on your mock draft by listening to this show? Who who were you kind of down to in the very end before you settled on uh, a guy in Van Ness who it's early in the process. Yeah. A lot's going to change. Like you said, there'll be testing numbers from the combine. Teams will talk themselves in and out of players. He could go higher than this. Ultimately, he could go later than this. Um, who else were you kind of jockeying with there at the end? Yeah, what I try to do with these mock drafts, especially the early ones, is kind of use it as an exercise of, okay, and for this one, it was, okay, if Joey Porter is not there at 17, and I think, I don't know if you agree with me, but I, I think a lot of people would, um, it would make a lot of sense for the Steelers to take Joey Porter, right? Yeah. They are extremely familiar with him. They know more details on Joey Porter Jr. than any other team in this draft. They watched um, him grow up. They need his position. Yeah, yeah he, he grew, I mean, he was practicing with the team, at St. Vincent College back in 2016 or 17, whenever that was. Uh, he was at the facility every day after practice with, with Dino Tomlin. So uh, the Sears also need a number one cornerback. So if, if he is there at 17, I wouldn't be surprised if Joey Porter is the pick. Um, now building off of that, how about if one of those three offensive tackles, um, you know, falls? I wouldn't be surprised at all if, if an offensive tackle like uh, Broderick Jones from Georgia is the pick if he would fall to 17. But for this first mock draft, I was saying the three left tackles were gone, Paris Johnson, Broderick Jones, and Peter Skaronsky. And I was saying Joey Porter was gone. Okay, if that happens, okay, they need a defensive lineman. This guy could be there. That's my, That was my thinking on, um, on Lucas Van Ness in mock draft number one. Fair enough. All right, we're going to get into the rest of – Ray's mock draft in the second segment here on the show. But first, hey, Yinzers, listen up. The Steelers campaign is off and running, and you're going to want to show your support for whoever they do draft next in this first round. It's easy with two legendary shops in the Strip, plus a growing online store, Yinzers in the Berg, is the place to go for Pittsburgh sports apparel, accessories, and much, much more. They will see you in the Strip, or you can check them out online you can shop at yinzerspgh.com. That's yinzerspgh.com. Maybe you'll be picking up a Van Ness jersey if Ray can see the future here with his mock draft. But maybe you also want one of these guys that Ray has slated to the Steelers here in rounds two through seven. Let's get into that when we come back. Man, I've been trying to tell them, Ray, that if I'm going to step in for Chris and host this show, 
we either need to, you know, change the little, the little graphic so that it says North Shore Drive with Brian Batco, or Chris needs to like throw me some sort of, uh, you know, finder's fee or or what have you, you know, a, a cut of his, you know, promotions, whatever he's got going on on the side. I, I think that's only fair. I do. You 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 got to get after that, Brian. Get a little will, extra I'll, time. Yeah, I'll, I'll check with the check with the bosses. Maybe I'll work out a deal with Chris, like. NFL players when they switch jersey numbers or something. So uh, we'll, we'll see what kind of compensation comes back to me in this deal. But uh, all right, let's uh, let's get into some more draft talk. We'll, we'll get to the Super Bowl uh, in the third segment today. But we've got to get to the other uh, the other guys that you had mocked to the Steelers. Uh, moving on to the second round, like you said before, uh, you were tempted to go with a defensive back, uh, specifically a corner or an offensive lineman. You gave the Steelers both of those uh, in round two, starting with pick 32, which, you know, most years, the majority of years is a first round pick, which they got from the Bears for Chase Claypool, a jack of all trades type of DB, Antonio Johnson of Texas A&M, tall, rangy, can play physical, uh, seems to have pretty good ball skills, even if the numbers aren't necessarily there. Uh, are all those kind of the factors that that led you to this uh, six foot three, two hundred pounder for the Aggies? Yeah. So he, here's my thinking on this one, Brian. Terrell Edmonds is an unrestricted free agent. Demonte KZ is an unrestricted free agent. And as good as Arthur Mallette has been in his role the last couple of seasons. He's kind of a part-time guy, right? He's more Yeah, the, the Steelers haven't obviously thought that much of him considering how much his playing time has fluctuated. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy who plays, depending on the week, I don't know what his end-of-the-season numbers were, you know, 25 30% of the snaps yeah. over a season. So, you know, you kind of have slot corner and potentially safety that will be uh, where you could use upgrades this year or where, where you might have a hole. So Johnson can fill any of those roles. You remember – by the end of the season, once KZ came back off IR, how much they were using three safeties in certain certain game plans depending on the opponent. And they really liked that defense. So let's say, okay, I don't know which one would command more on the open market. Let's say that's Edmonds. So let's say Edmonds signs elsewhere, KZ comes back. You draft a guy like Antonio Johnson, he could play slot corner for you some weeks. He can play a hybrid guy like Terrell Edmonds did um, when KZ came back from IR. So there's all sorts of different things that they could do. Um, Steelers really like versatile defensive backs. Cam Sutton was that guy for years until he got a job full-time on the outside. So I think he's another guy. Um, He might not have a true position, but I think he would contribute right away. He would play a lot of snaps as a rookie if that's the pick. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. And the other thing that we should point out, it's – it's difficult to do mock drafts at any time, but especially in early February when free agency hasn't happened yet. We don't know who's going to be back in the Steelers uh, secondary. Cam Sutton, Terrell Edmonds, DeMonte KZ, one, two, all, none of those guys. We'll have a much better feel for when they'll want to pick a, a defensive back, what type of defensive back they'll want to pick uh, once we get into mid to late March. But uh, at least for right now, uh, sound logic by you, Ray, that Johnson's the type of guy who – they could put him just about anywhere and, and probably uh, upgrade their secondary idea of him playing next to Minka Fitzpatrick for years to come has to be pretty intriguing. Your other second rounder, the Steelers original pick 49th overall, a guy that you did lay eyes on. And I guess you really liked him down in, in Alabama, Dewan Jones of Ohio state. You're not the only one 
when you're 6'8", 375, you've got the longest wingspan in, in senior bowl history, and you can move your feet pretty well. I was watching basketball highlights of this guy in high school. Um, I, you know, there's, there's a lot of reason to invest in him as a piece on your offensive line who could probably come in right now and push people around, but at the very least, maybe, you know, trim his physique up a little bit, learn the finer points of the position, continue to hone his craft and be a long, uh, you know, a starter for a long time in this league. Yeah, I'll tell you, Brent, he wasn't on my second round radar before the senior bowl, but once I got down there and I should point out, he didn't practice Wednesday or Thursday, did not play in the game because of an injury, but during his one day of practice, he was so impressive. As you mentioned, you know, 6'8", 375, he's going to be great in the run game in the NFL. But when you watch his feet, um, and you mentioned the basketball highlights, he moves like uh, uh, any left tackle in the league would. And he's only he's only played right tackle at Ohio State because of Paris Johnson. So my question to him was, well, you know, can you play left tackle? I mean, you got these feet and – he says, you know, I, I haven't done it. You know, I'm comfortable on the right side. But me watching him play and watching him move around the senior bowl, I don't see any reason why he couldn't play left or right in the NFL, which would really be ideal for the Steelers. You know, Dan Moore and Chuk Sokor for both two years remaining on your contract. Um, again, this is a guy who would come in, be the swing tackle at the very least right away, but potentially a, a guy who could start mid-season, maybe even earn a job before that. So, um, you know, we'll have to see how, how it, um, you know, would pan out with him probably losing, you know, 20 to 25 pounds. How would he? Llegaron los Propane Days a Lowe's. Desde ahora hasta el 16 de junio, los miembros MVPs de Lowe's reciben un 20% de reembolso en pintura con una tarjeta de regalo electrónica de Lowe's por compras de pinturas elegibles de 100 dólares o más. Lleva la nueva y exclusiva pintura HGTV Home de Sherwin-Williams Specright para interiores. Lowe's sabe de pros. Aplican exclusiones, restricciones y más términos. Visita Lowe's.com diagonal L diagonal Pro Loyalty Terms. Sujeto a cambios. You know, how would he be conditioning-wise in the NFL? You know, we all know Mike Tomlin is big on that, but uh, I wouldn't call him a project. I, I just think a guy, he, he needs maybe a little bit more discipline in his diet, um, you know, get him down to a manageable weight. And I think, you know, he's at least a three-year starter for you, you know, after his rookie season. And that's interesting because normally when you're um, trying to translate college prospects on the offensive line, uh, you know, to the NFL – kind of that hierarchy or totem pole, right? Where if you played left in, in college, you've got to be really good at it to stay there in the NFL. You might have to kick over to the right side. You might even move inside to guard uh, if, if they don't think you have the length to, to keep NFL edge rushers off of you. If you played uh, right tackle in college, yeah, you can probably do that in the NFL. But again, if, if you don't necessarily have the, uh, the wingspan or you know kind of the lateral quickness, you might have to move inside. If you played guard in college, you might have to move the center in the NFL. We saw that with Kendrick Green right here in Pittsburgh, which uh, didn't exactly work out. So that's very intriguing to me that you think Jones can kind of be the rare case of a guy who his his own college program. Now, again, like you alluded to, we're talking about Ohio State here, one of the very best and one that has their left tackle slated as a top 10 pick in this same draft. But his own college program didn't want him to play left tackle. They had him at right tackle. So that could be a, you know, that'll be a teaching point for whether it's Pat Meyer here with the Steelers or another offensive line coach with a team that does ultimately draft him because obviously any prospect 
has a lot more value the more versatile they are on the line. And if you can play left tackle, um, you know, they'll give you a shot there and they'll figure out where you fall after that. Length is not an issue for Dewan Jones. 39 and a half inch wingspan. Um, he's got the wingspan of a guy who is seven foot five. So left tackle, right tackle. The only issue would be, um, and this has changed a little bit in the NFL. The only issue would be a lot of times you're protecting the blind side, which he would be in Pittsburgh, but um, a lot of times the best pass rushers are on that side. So he would have to deal with the constant um, athleticism of, of the elite ed rushers in the NFL. Um, so, you know, we'll have to see how that goes, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really intrigued by him. I think as long as he loses some weight and as long as his conditioning is good, I think he's going to be a really good player in the NFL. The Steelers have had, you know, they've taken their shots on these humongous linemen. Alville and Nueva had great success. Of course, he's an interesting case with, with his stories, kind of the reverse of Dewan Jones. He had to put weight on and, and figure out that aspect of the position. Uh, Zach Banner was somebody who didn't pan out, who was huge, but injuries slowed him down. They never really messed with him at left tackle. I, I don't know that he had the quickness or the lateral movement skills of Dewan Jones. So, They've done it, though, and we're going to talk about the Eagles in the next segment ahead of the Super Bowl. They've had success with humongous tackles when Andy Weidel was helping yep. to put together their draft board. Jordan Mylott is one of the best in the league right now, and yep. um, he came from a rugby background, but he's a mountain of a man, and he's just smothering people for them at left tackle. So, uh, all right, your third rounder, Byron Young. There's two Byron Youngs in this draft, so uh, I, I appreciate you trying to thread the needle on that one. You've got the guy from Tennessee who's – an edge rusher. The other one from Alabama is more of an interior defensive lineman. 6'4", 245. He had a good game against Pitt uh, earlier this season, and that always seems to put guys on the Steelers' radar. But, you know, to your point, Ray, uh, if Van Ness is playing more on the defensive line in this universe, Byron Young steps in as that number three edge rusher uh, behind T.J. Watt and Alex Heisman. Yeah, the thing that stands out to me when I watch him, fast, athletic, and has a great motor. And, uh, you know, people – might look at the frame, 6'2", 245, you know, how does that translate to your your prototypical Steelers, 3'4", outside linebacker? Um, he's not like that big 6'4", 255 guy, but I don't see any reason why he couldn't get up to 250, even 255, maintain that athleticism. He's always going to have the motor, and I think it's perfect for the Steelers. They've been searching for that good number three outside linebacker for quite some time. They tried it with Melvin Ingram. We all know how that worked out. Um, this past year, they tried to bring Malik Reed in. They traded a six-round pick for him. That didn't work out. He was a healthy scratch by the end of the season. So they have to upgrade there. And listen, they only have – they don't have fifth and sixth-round picks. So if you're going to get an edge rusher, Brian, you're not probably not going to get him in free agency. It's got to be in the top four rounds. And this is just kind of – you know, Byron Young is kind of in that range – third or fourth round range. I didn't think they can get him like in the 120. So I went ahead and put, put him in there at number 80. Yeah. And he's an older guy, as you pointed out. So uh, you, you'd want to get your best football out of him right away. We'll finish up here um, with your fourth round pick because you went back to the O-line. Olu Oluwatomi of Michigan, a center. Uh, do you think that, you know, this would be more of a developmental pick or at best, you know, he's ready to play right away and Mason Cole can, maybe move to a guard spot. I guess either way, you're creating more competition. You're getting younger on an offensive line that's, you know, probably, you know, still a little bit in reconstruction or rebuild mode here uh, to, to protect Kenny Pickett. Yeah, I mean, you have to look at the contracts on that offensive line. Um, J.C. Hassenauer, unrestricted free agent. 
Um, their top swing tackle, Trenton Scott, unrestricted free agent. So I think there's going to be some change there in terms of who the backups are. But you also have to look at how they structured those uh, big free agent contracts um, with James Daniels and Mason Cole, both only three-year deals. They both have two years left. And if you know Mason Cole's background, Brian, he played more guard with the Vikings and the Cardinals than he did center. Now, the Steelers right. like him at center. I thought he did a good job at center. But if you bring uh, this guy in as a developmental guy, hey, let's say he's not ready in 2023, but he pushes in 2024, Mason Cole can still bump out, play guard for a year. Um, at the worst case, let's say you find another guard who can start. The worst case, he is a mid-priced um very good interior backup if he's bypassed by the time we get to 2024. So they got to start doing this. They got to get start, start getting younger on the offensive line. Um, you know, Hassenauer has been a, a nice little story, kind of worked his way up from practice squad guy. What was he? XFL or uh, AAF, AAF, the Alliance AAF, of American yeah. football. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's kind of been a nice story here, but I just don't know what his future is in the NFL. So get younger, uh, you know, start to develop some guys. And I, I think that's kind of the range where he's he's probably going to go in that fourth or fifth round range. I thought, hey, Steelers, why not uh, why not give him to the Steelers and see if uh, you know see if he's uh, you know a good pick for them. Yeah, and then your last couple picks, seventh rounders, a tight end from Purdue and Pitt inside linebacker Servassier Dennis. Pitt fans would want to see him go higher than that, but obviously uh, they'd, they'd be thrilled to see him go to the Steelers if they're also Steeler fans. All right, Ray, let's get into. Super Bowl, what is it, LVII between the Eagles and the Chiefs. We will preview that next in our final segment of the show, uh, touching on some local connections with both teams, and then also we'll give our picks on the game when we come back. All righty, Ray, I'm pretty pumped for this game. I don't know about you. I think it's a really good matchup. I did not watch last year's Super Bowl really much at all because I was on a plane to Hawaii for vacation with the family. Uh, I don't have any plans yet for this year. Now that you know, now that we have two kids, we're not really thinking past like the next day. So um, yeah, so I don't know where we're going to be watching it, what we're going to be doing for it. Uh, but I think it's going to be a really fun matchup. And uh, as I said before the break, there uh, plenty of people with Pittsburgh ties, uh, both locally, the Whippeole, the the local colleges and former Steelers going to be in this game. Yeah. You got Javon Hargrave who, um, you know, Stefan to it. They decided to keep Stefan to it instead of Javon Hargrave. I can't fault the Steelers for that. They had no idea that to it was going to have the issues that he had late in his career here. Hargraves, he, he might be their best defensive lineman. Yeah. Um, then you go over to the chiefs. You got Justin Watson who might get a chance to play in this game. The chiefs have some injuries at receiver and then Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, listen, Brian, I know that he kind of became a caricature of himself late in his tenure here. Um, no one ever talked about that guy being a bad teammate. I thought he was a good teammate. And people shouldn't forget, and I know people might because they got their doors blown off in that playoff game against the Chiefs. But he came back from a very bad shoulder injury, tried to give his team a spark, he was out there for, you know, 20, 30 snaps. I, I thought, um, you know, he's the guy you want to have on your team, and I'm kind of rooting for for Juju to get a ring. Javon Hargrave, too, I think he's a good guy, but uh, I think Juju kind of gets a bad rap around here sometimes. Yeah, Juju and Justin Watson, as well as Sky Moore in the Chiefs receiving core. Shady Side yeah. Academy, New Kensington native. A lot of people thought that it was a, 
slam dunk. The Steelers would pick him in the second round last year, given the connection to Dino Tomlin, Mike Tomlin, the Tomlin family. They instead went with this guy named George Pickens. It's looking like that's going to be a good move for them in the long run. But yeah, I mean, I think uh, all three of those guys, Juju's got to get healthy. Um, You know, he was knocked out of the AFC championship game uh, with a knee, I believe. Uh, So hopefully he'll be able to go. If not, uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes will have one fewer option in his passing uh, arsenal to go to. I also think it's, uh, you know, you've got Miles Sanders uh, on the Philly side. Eagles top running back had a couple touchdowns in the NFC championship game. Woodland Hills zone. You've got, you know, people in the front office, Brandon Hunt, who spent a long time here with the Steelers as their director of scouting. Now he's got just about the same title over in Philly. We know that's where Andy Weidel came from. It kind of ended up being a trade between the two organizations. And I I think it's going to be interesting to, you know, watch how this game plays out. If the Eagles continue to follow their same formula and script in, in which they dominate the line of scrimmage, easier said than done when you've got Chris Jones over there for the Chiefs, Creed Humphrey on the other side, snapping to Mahomes. But if, if they can just overwhelm them physically, um, you know, kind of the way I guess the, the Buccaneers did a few years back when the Chiefs kind of realized, all right, we really need to fortify ourselves in the trenches. If the Eagles can do that and, you know, maybe they win a low scoring game or, or maybe they just, um, you know, assert their will. I think it's going to be yet another sign that that's sort of what the Steelers are trying to build here with Weidel now as their assistant GM. And not only that, Ray, but one other storyline that kind of jumped out at me this week. I was reading a headline about Eagles GM Howie Roseman. I believe he was voted as the uh, Pro uh, Pro Football Writers of America's GM of the year uh, this year for what he's done with that team. He was, before he got that title in Philly, he was the cap guy for the Eagles. And that's exactly what the Steelers have done with Omar Khan replacing Kevin Colbert. Now they've got a football guy behind him. It's the same guy that, that How, uh, Howie Roseman had behind him and Andy Weidel. So all you hear about Roseman really when you're reading Philly articles is he's duping people in trades. He's fleecing other teams. He's amassing all these picks. He's using them on the right positions. Omar Khan's off to a pretty good start with the Chase Claypool deal with the Bears. So I'm not saying the Steelers are going to be able to, uh, you know, find themselves in the Super Bowl after making all these genius moves. But, you know, it's working for the Eagles with a guy who didn't exactly have the most X's and O's chops. Yeah, and listen, they're, they've had an unbelievable year. I think Philadelphia has the best roster 1 through 53 in the NFL. Yeah. Um, now, I will say this. Um they're not going to be playing the New York Giants, and they're not going to be playing the San Francisco 49ers with Josh, Josh Johnson or, you know, some invisible quarterback that, um, you know, that situation that unfolded in, in the championship game. So, right. um, every listen, every team is fortunate, um, you know, in, in a run to the Super Bowl. Um, this happens. They're not going to be able to win this game with Jalen Hurts throwing for a buck fifty. Um, you and I saw what Jalen Hurts can do in the passing game. He he tore the Steelers apart. Yeah. Um, now he hasn't always been consistent, especially in the second half of the season. Um, I'm not sure what's going on with that passing game right now, but he has that in him. So if they are going to win this game, I fully expect. Listen, Steve Spagnuolo is a terrific defensive coordinator. He's going to have something drawn up where he forces Jalen Hurts to beat them in the passing game, and I think we're going to have to see 
whether that happens or not. So that's sort of like the chess game that, that, that I'm looking at right now. Everyone's talking about Mahomes and, um, you know, rightfully so. But I think that Chiefs defense against that Eagles offense, I think that matchup is going to determine who wins the Super Bowl. Yeah, and, you know, other teams have found ways to exploit that Chiefs defense in big games. You know, the, the Bengals had owned them uh, in, until this most recent matchup between the two. You know, Joe Burrow was, um, you know, just just throwing lasers uh, on that secondary Steve Spagnuolo system. So, you know, Jalen Hurts, yeah, he's he's got to do that as well. A.J. Brown is, you know, for my money, one of the best receivers in the league. We also saw what he can do. Uh, I, I think he could have a potentially like Super Bowl MVP type of performance if he goes out there and just cooks these Chiefs yeah. defensive backs. Talent-wise, uh, on paper, he very much has the potential to do that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, the Eagles are a team that, you know, you want to talk about the the way they've built this roster and turned things around relatively quickly. That's what it looks like in the standings, and, you know, that's what it looks like when you, you hire Nick Sirianni and you promote him, or excuse me, and you get to your second year with him and all of a sudden you hit the ground running. But this has been a long time coming. They've used a lot of draft picks on offensive linemen. You know, they haven't necessarily minded kind of drafting over a starter, if you will. Uh, they've got a first-round pick as their swing tackle right now, and Andre Dillard from Washington State. So um, they've really invested in that. They've made shrewd moves in free agency. They've made some shrewd trades. Uh, it's just all coming together for them right now. And, of course, the biggest piece of that, Jalen Hurts, playing uh, out of his mind for most of this year. So, um, yeah, I think it's going to be a really good a really good matchup. I am going to go with the Eagles here, Ray. I, just judging by your response, I don't know if you're with me, but I'm going to say the Eagles put forth a pretty smothering defensive performance. Avante Maddox from Pitt, you know, their slot corner. I've seen all sorts of advanced metrics talking about his value. He's got to get healthy too. He's got a lingering toe issue that he fought through in the NFC title game, but he could be uh, key in this one as well. I'm going to say Eagles 26, Chiefs 20. Oh, we have similar scores. Uh, I'm going to go with the upset. Chiefs 27, Eagles 24. And I don't really think of that as an upset, but yeah, I hear what you're saying. I mean, it's a, you know, the, the betting line is what it is, and Mahomes' ankle is not right, but I still think there's just a lot of football observers out there who are like, until somebody's going to knock off Patrick Mahomes this season, we're going to keep going. Yeah, I mean, it's in these situations, listen, there, there's been plenty of great quarterbacks who have lost Super Bowls, um, but usually it's like, okay, Marino lost to Montana. Staubach lost to Bradshaw. I'm not saying Jalen Hurts isn't here, but Patrick Mahomes is up here, right? So just looking at the quarterback matchup and seeing the way that Mahomes gutted through that last week, I just get the idea he's going to carry them on his back. This is going to kind of be like his signature moment. Um, you know, he played well late in that first Super Bowl win against the 49ers a couple of years ago. Obviously, he didn't play great against the Buccaneers. I just got a feeling Mahomes is going to step up, have a huge game, just kind of put them on their back. Um, on his back, and I think the Chiefs will get it done. It's going to be a fun weekend. We're recording this on Thursday morning, so there was a lot that happened, I'm sure, last night that we didn't touch on, but we can always get to that early next week. So we don't know what happened with Cam Hayward. Um, you know, We know he was nominated for Walter Payton Man of the Year. Um, if he won, congrats. If he didn't, uh, I'm sure he will be back in the running this time next year. Hall of Fame uh, you know, selections announced so uh will we have a local person in there we will see Darrell Rivas first chance on the ballot from Aliquippa and Pitt 
And beyond that, um, yeah, enjoy the game, everybody. Hope you've got a good spread of food. Hope you've got some fun, uh, you know, some fun plans for it, some good people to watch with. Ray, uh, I will talk to you at some point next week, although I guess it might be each of us individually with Carter back from vacation. So uh, should be a good time. Glad we were able to reunite here and uh, bring back sort of the original Steelers podcast from the Post-Gazette. Uh, we've got stories coming out as well. I've got one, uh, speaking of Nick Sirianni, the Eagles head coach, who's had kind of a meteoric rise. I drove down to Washington, PA, talked to his oldest brother, Mike Sirianni, who if you know anything about small college football here in Western PA, he's uh, the, the winningest coach all time at Washington and Jefferson, a legend in uh, in the President's Athletic Conference. Uh, he was gracious enough to give me some time to talk about this whirlwind that it's been for their family and specifically for their baby brother. So make sure to check that out on the Post-Gazette website. Alrighty, Ray, um, did you have a good time doing this for, for old time's sake? Just like old times. It was fun. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, alrighty, folks. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. Uh, Carter will be back soon. Enjoy the game. We'll talk to you guys. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the North Shore Drive podcast of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. If you're watching this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our YouTube channel. For six months of digital access to post-gazette.com for just $6, click the link down below in the description.